Are you sure you're ready? Are you ready? I love every Triple H impression at the end of it has got like, what was it like? Hey, Rock, no DQ. Uh. <laughs> Always the us. <laughs> Welcome uh, to the second turnbuckle podcast. Uh. <laughs> With your host, Toogie24, uh, and good friend, Crash Andrews. Uh, uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to go Crash. Uh. I should have. Yeah, I should have. Crash, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll be honest, for a guy who's on a wrestling podcast show, I don't think yeah. I watched very much of a lick of uh, of wrestling. Not, at least not live as in like on tv live mm-hmm. uh i mean i kind of caught up with uh, results and um obviously my timeline on on social media seeing rhea ripley body slam a good brother which then again brings you know an argument we can have now or another time about hey, let's just uh, let's do intergender let's get intergender in there if rhea ripley can body slammed Festus then she can have a full on match as far as I'm concerned yeah I don't disagree I mean unfortunately they did just cut Jeff Jarrett so they can't bring back the good housekeeping match and have Rhea Ripley play China <laughs> but, fair you know fair I don't hate it I don't hate it like that's been a on and off again controversial topic in the the world of wrestling over the past 10, 15, 20 years, but when done right, I don't think it's that bad. Um, when when done poorly, you look back at some of the stuff Joey Ryan did before right. he got his ass booted from the industry, and rightfully so, and you're just like, okay. Ugh. Which reminds me, we never talked about All In. <laughs> we never did. That's our white whale. <laughs> if this podcast makes it to one year, we will yeah. finally talk yeah. about All In. We like talking anniversaries. I don't even know what anniversary we could talk about. Oh, well, here's the thing, though. It's a good thing that you mentioned that, you know, hey, current stuff, you might not be all that opinionated because I did a little bit of research about uh, today in wrestling history, and I got some older topics we could talk about a little bit later on uh, in the show. But I figured, you know, given that this is two friends who shoot the breeze about wrestling, Better enemies. <laughs> good friends, better enemies. The best in your house. It's not, but it's a it's a good title. You know, I, I figured we uh you know we might as well might as well invite the third party known as the mailbag. The mailbag. That's <laughs> the intro. And our question today comes from Jake. Is he in fact the third man? Ooh. Mm. Yeah, a little little bash at the beach reference there. Can we talk about 20 years later how it was it was supposed to be Sting, but instead it was Jake? Yes, <laughs> yes. Jake, you'll have to let us know. Were you alive when Bash at the Beach 96 took place? That's the real question. Jake asks, one of you picks for AEW, one of you picks for WWE. Who would each of you pick for a five-on-five Survivor Series style match you know yeah. i like you know i like the caveats i was thinking about this go ahead go, we do go need more we're gonna say 
I was going to say, like, we need to have that extra layer on this because both rosters are far too large. We need to have some sort of some sort of stakes to it or, you know, parameters such as, okay, like, are we basing it off of, like, the best of the best of each company who we'd personally like to see in that situation? Like, what do you what do you think? How do we how do we situate this? So, yeah, I was going to throw a few caveats out there. One is injuries and suspensions don't matter. Mm, fair. Uh, the other one I wanted to throw at you, and I don't know how fair it is for one of us. Uh, you know what? I was going to say all time, but that that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think we'll go current. Yeah, but then I if we did all time, I would make the caveat of uh, if they ever appeared in AEW, <laughs> hmm. even a one-off, uh, not necessarily wrestling, that might even count. Um, I mean, I guess I'm I'm more the the WWE nerd, and you're more the AEW nerd. So, kind of, yeah. Which, yeah, well, yeah I mean, it would almost be more fun. I thought to maybe reverse the roles, but I, I think we'll go with that. You pick for the WWE Ooh. side, I pick for the AEW side. You know what? Let's do it. Let's do it that way. And then let's let's flip it. Okay. But you can't use the same wrestlers. OK, we're adding way too many layers. to this. <laughs> you said you wanted layers. I do. Now. But like what? OK, what is the context of this match? I think, Are we I think if we're going into uh, Survivor Series and somehow, some way, Tony Khan and Triple H shook hands and said, Let's do a, let's do a, like, for me, it's not Raw versus SmackDown. It's all of WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, it's AEW. Like, the the top five, the five guys you would bring in, and you know what I'd actually like to do is go back and forth one by one, rather than try and list five at a time, because I think there's going to be some interesting matchups here that might change people's opinion of who they'd bring in. Like, I'm sure you could just say the top five off the top of your head, but going off of what the last pick was might actually change. Cause you kind of want to have those matchups as well. Right. So are we saying this is like a 2001 survivor series team, WWF team invasion type of <laughs> the type alliance of deal or yeah, sure. Let's do it that way. Yeah. So it's winner takes all. For wrestling supremacy. Pick number one for Team WWE. Oh, I'm you're giving it to me. Okay. Oh, I yeah, I'm throwing it to you, absolutely. Okay. So the the I almost want to say, like, when you think of WWE, who are the five wrestlers that you think of first? Okay, so I've I've got one more question before we get into this. Okay. Is this just the five guys you would pick on a complete Survivor Series team? Or are you thinking like in a pay-per-view? Because uh, I'll go, I'll go ahead and say Abe Fabe sense what five give yeah. your team the best chance to win. I think okay, we found so, it. There we go. So we found it. My first, my first pick is Roman Reigns. Although mm-hmm. if I were actually booking, I would not put Roman Reigns on one of the top four pay-per-views in the Survivor Series. But for this intents and purposes, Roman Reigns is pick number one. The obvious counter for me 
is John Moxley. Which is my number one pick and team captain. Which I'm putting my fist in. Tugs, I'm putting my fist in. Uh-huh. Come on. Nobody can see it. That's, I was going to say, it's not even a video yeah. podcast. Seth Rollins. Let's go. We need Jake in here to be the third man. And then <laughs> a random old, look at Coco in here as the Kurt Angle. Okay, so I've got, I've got, uh, I've got uh, the current head of the table and the current Joker wannabe. As in one Mr. Seth Rollins. Yes, sir. Okay, pick number two. When you think of AEW, it has to be the fact that this is, you know, the main event of Full Gear. We have to go MJF as, as pick number two. I like it. On Team AEW. See, and now, now I'm thinking. Now I'm thinking, because I've got six or seven different names that I'm thinking of. But with mm-hmm. you going with... And, and I didn't necessarily doubt that you would go MJF. I just didn't think you'd go number two. So, instead Ooh, you of... You know, those, I might... I might what? change it. No, no. I might change it. Hold up. Don't you bup up on me. I have. I think I figured out the most interesting team, though, that I could possibly put together. Hence the bupapas. Are you you've got your all five because I'm I'm legitimately going off of what you're going off of. I think I have, yeah, I think I have the most interesting team from a kayfabe sense that would help Team AEW to win this match. Okay, so then give me your five, because I've got two, and I know Mm -hmm. who my third is based on MJF. That might be a spoiler. Okay. So it's Moxley. Yes, sir. Kenny Omega. Yeah. The Young Bucks. Yeah. And hangman so okay. it's the idea of the next chapter of the hangman young bucks omega story taking place within this from a storyline perspective the storytelling is in my favor i have an a phenomenal dare i say an elite level squad but there's also storytelling elements within the team now you got mox in there too who isn't a part of that group who but doesn't Mox, want to be a part of that group? Mox yes. has yeah, yeah. a history with Omega and Hangman over that AEW title. 100%. And is the current champion. 100%. So you're not going MJF? I think, you know, as hard as it is to just be like, okay, no MJF, no Jericho, even Sting, who never loses. I think those would be my five. Okay. Mox, the elite. That makes this, that makes this the, easier for me. Hangman. Because... My pick when you said MJF, and again, I was going kind of okay. I'm going to kind of react to what he goes with. And with you going MJF too, I don't blame you at all. Uh, I was going to bring in the Miz because of all the talk that MJF is just AEW Miz. Maybe cranked up a little bit or maybe a little bit more uh, PG-13 than than what the Miz is or what's the what's the next step up. Either way. Either way, uh, per, whatever parental From guidance. TV to VH1. Yeah, exactly. Okay, um, so I'm still sticking Roman Reigns, still sticking Seth Rollins, because then you have that Shield reunion that everybody would lose their minds to see at this point, I think. I think you um, have to go, like, don't you have to counteract the Young Bucks with the Usos? No. 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 
No, I'm going to counteract the Young Bucks with uh, RK Bro. Mm. With uh, Randall smiling despite the stakes. Don't yeah. Worry about it. You know what? In in a match like this too, and I am putting a little bit of a uh, uh, quarter or a couch quarterback or sofa quarterback or whatever. Um, nobody's really had the year that uh, that he has had. So I think, yeah, I'm going RK Bro. Uh, the Usos, yeah, they've been dominant, but they've been like a side story to uh to the whole the head of the table uh Fair and enough. to round out round out my five it's gonna be brock lesnar mm, the ace in the hole huh because everybody that you've mentioned i mean maybe not the young bucks and we've seen mocks and that was to me that was a phenomenal match at, at wrestlemania uh, as much as you knew Brock Lesnar was going to win, they still showed hints that uh, Moxley was going to win. Um, but he still got thrown around like a rag doll. I think Kenny Omega and Brock Lesnar would be considered somewhat of a dream match. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't know so much Hangman Page. To me, Hangman still has a lot to prove to be put into that group, if you ask me. He's done great, but he's been that, like, he's, I hate to use the name, but he's CM Punk when CM Punk first won a WWE heavyweight title. Like, you just, you weren't quite sold on it yet. I think he's got another, um, he's got another gear that he can get to, to be, at least for me, a little bit more comfortable putting him into the, the list of names that we've put out there other, uh, I, to me, I, I I love Hangman Page. I just need to see more of him. So let us know, Jake in particular, whose Survivor Series style team takes the W in this theoretical showdown, this clash for the ages. <laughs> Crash, we have a couple of talking points. And, you know, we talked about Hangman a little bit. Let's... uh revert over to the AEW side of things this past week, where admittedly there's not that much to talk about. Obviously, the last week's show was us directly reacting to the special edition of Dynamite on a Tuesday, in which it was confirmed at the end of the show uh, Hangman Page suffered a concussion uh, in his match with John Moxley that saw him stretchered out. Um, you know, as bad as that is, it obviously could have been a hell of a lot worse just because of the the nature of it. Like, I feel like there's a lot of times in wrestling and really sports in general where something looks bad and you're like, oh, that's bad. And then almost, I don't want to say more often, but then there are those ones like the hangman incident where you're just like, okay, I can't really tell what the hell happened there. And that's really bad because it's it's just so unpredictable as to what actually occurred. So he'll be out for a while. It's another injury added to the list of a, continual you know growing list of injuries for AEW this year uh but thankfully it wasn't any more serious than what it was yeah i agree with you too that when you don't see what it is then the whole professional wrestling side of things goes out the window because it's not like these guys just stay down to stay down they you know they're they're selling or what but i mean it was it was a clothesline it was a lariat it wasn't it really didn't look like I had to watch it a couple times and I still don't know a hundred percent what 
the impact was other than maybe Moxley's arm was a little too high on it. Mm. It didn't catch him like um, on the clavicle. It, it actually hit him like in the chin or, or on the head. Um, I even looked to see if he hit his head on the mat or whatever. So, yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. You either can see that it's 100% an issue. And even at that, wrestling is so good these days that, you know, unless they land on their head, uh, shout out to Big E, um, mm. you don't know. But in in this case, like just watching the replays and everything like that, it was it was actually scary to see just because you didn't have those clues to something actually being wrong. The other big talking point AEW this week uh, was the continued aftermath of uh, good old brawl out. A steel confirmed to be gone from the company. More reports that the elite are likely to be back soon. <clears throat> Hopefully by uh, November 9th when uh, AEW comes to Boston. Let's make that happen. Um, but <laughs> you have to aside from those voice? two things, the biggest talking point <laughs> is the thought of CM Punk's contract and the remaining time being bought out and what that could potentially mean for him moving forward in a WWE sense as to would he want to go back? Would they want him back? He's still quite clearly a draw. The proof is in the pudding with AEW's numbers over the past year that he was there. And this is intriguing for a variety of different reasons. How he left, how Triple H is directly involved in that story. This would be Triple H. This is one of Triple H's, I'd say, first big tests as the head of that company. Because in the past, Vince McMahon showed pretty much no matter who the hell you are, if there is money to be made, I will, you know, Build a bridge here. Let bygones be bygones. And let's make some money, pal. That was him. He did it with the Ultimate Warrior, with Bruno San Martino. So, so many names over the years. They're very like, there's no way the Ultimate Warrior is coming back. LOL. Of course he did. Is Triple H going to handle business the same way? While he might fucking hate Phil Brooks's guts. While people in the locker room might not like the guy either, what does WWE as a business care more about than anything else? The money. They have proven that over and over again in terms of in terms of the uh, capitalistic ideals of what how a business should be run. They follow it to a T. It is money overall. We don't give a fuck about morals. Uh, we don't care that Jamal Khashoggi got murdered. We're still going to Saudi Arabia, baby. We got money to make. Mm-hmm. So I don't see why when time and time and time and time again, the wrestling world, especially WWE, you know, it's proven never say never in regards to something happening. I don't get why people are just so like stunned at the at the mere thought that he might go back. He gets bought out of this AEW contract. I wholeheartedly believe he's going back. That's where you and I differ. That's where uh, 100% you and I differ. Uh, the question I have coming out of your rant is, uh, mm. do, th- do the tables turn? Say he does. Say he goes to WWE, five-year contract. AEW is neck and neck with WWE and AEW. 
What did I say? Did I say AW? I, I have no for idea. some reason WCW popped into my head. <laughs> Either way, um, does Tony Khan, and I get that it's five years and the business practice of AEW could change and they don't sign every free agent and whatever. Phil Brooks goes back to Connecticut and sees that, as he said, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Do you think he has a spot in AEW five years from now? He doesn't right now. But do they adopt that model that you were talking about with WWE? In in terms of like if the sides were to make amends and Punk doesn't leave? No, no, no. Punk's gone. Let's okay. just say Punk's gone. I don't think he goes back to WWE, but in this this scenario, he does. Wrestles five more years. Let's say he's got three years left in that frail body of his already. And he's a free agent. And there's a chance to bring him back to AEW with everything that's happened. Because as you said, there's a lot of stupid stuff that Vince and Triple H have been able to look past to bring people back regardless. I mean, they even released a damn DVD just absolutely throwing the ultimate warrior under one of the biggest buses you've ever seen in your life. The rising buses. Jesus. Like I think he deserved it over them. Well, fair, absolutely (laughs) fair. But then later on, it's like, Hey, welcome to the hall of fame. (laughs) Like they, they were so contradictive in their attitude towards Jim Helwig that it was just interesting to see that. Yeah, and it's it's pretty much the same argument that I'd make that he's not going back to WWE is because he is Phil Brooks and Phil Brooks gets his way and Phil Brooks knows how to manipulate not only to get his way, but to show uh, us as viewers what he wants us to see, which is I'm the underdog when he's probably one of the most political players we've seen. Um arguably theoretically uh since the click Mm. since triple h so i think he's gonna get what he wants if he does want to go back to wwe i'm sure there's a spot for him i i just think it'd be interesting to see five ten years from now if he plays a gm or a a manager role and finds his way back to AEW somehow some way and that's how professional wrestling works you just make the rounds as as there's a contract I will give him credit if he doesn't go back. He would be the biggest name to never go back after saying, fuck that company, I'll never go back. I don't think it it's his be. choice, though. I, I honestly don't I, think it's his choice. If it's his choice, he goes back because it's, it's another paycheck. He can double dip. I don't think it's his choice in this matter. I, I do don't think th- it is either, but I do think the WWE would bring him back. Yeah, I think, I think there's money to there's, be made, but it'd be. I think it'd be... If this podcast lasts a year, <laughs> knock on wood, um, <laughs> which I'm, I'm hoping it does, Tukes. Um, hey, I got the thumbs up. Um, if this when this podcast a year from now, right when before. We're the show. Yeah, we're yeah. And I'm still on the show <laughs> where I if Phil Brooks makes it back to WWE, we'll be talking about him. In a sense of, he did the same thing. 
he didn't change. He didn't learn from his experience at the end of AEW. Didn't learn from his experience at the end of WWE. He just chased the paycheck. And that's just my, that's my gut. That's my gut feeling of how this will all play out if he goes back. And I think it's my gut feeling too of the, the sense of that it's not his choice. And there's, there's hesitation they can't do anything I, about it now, but I think there is some hesitation in the in the idea of bringing back Phil Brooks when it comes to WWE. And I think they would be okay with the idea that, yeah, in a year he might just self-implode. And the reason why I think they would be okay with that is, one, it doesn't reflect poorly on them. And even if it does, they're practically fucking Teflon at this point with everything that company has gotten away with in the past and continues to get away with. They would have made a bunch of money in that time, and they can... Control the narrative uh, um, of this. <laughs> Remember that group? Um, they, they can control the narrative of that story by saying, oh, there goes Phil again, just imploding. We tried our best. And people will just be like, yeah, no, that's, that's CM Punk being a dick again. Hey, couldn't make it work at either company. What a dickhead. And WWE just bounces back from it. And in the meantime, they made a boatload of money. If, if and when it happens, I say when, you know, they'll get to kind of play up like taking shots at Tony Khan if that's what they want to do by being like, ah, yeah, we, yeah, we're Phil's in an environment here where, you know, we're, we got everything under control. I just think it's a chance to take shots at AEW to make a shitload of money at their expense. They have the safety valve of if it goes poorly, it's clearly because of CM Punk and not us because he has this track record. I just view it as a win-win for them. I, I don't see a situation where it blows up in their face where they look bad because of it. And even if they do, I don't see the situation where they can't spin it to be like, ah, it's not even that bad. Don't worry about it. That's that's just Phil. We're fine. None of what you said doesn't make sense. None of what you said is is out of line or uh, hogwash. I just think that the only way this works is if it is a one-year contract. That way, WWE is not on the hook for two to three years. And I don't I even don't think that Phil wants to sign a one year contract, but he could because he's going to be paid. Sure, handsomely by AEW to not wrestle for them. So I just I don't know if it's more hope than it is. um, You being right, you're uh, nothing you've said is out of the box to the situation at all. I genuinely think you will get a CM Punk WWE Hall of Fame speech where he's touted as one of the biggest rebels in wrestling history alongside the likes of Roddy Piper and the Outsiders. I'm sorry. I just I think we've seen this story play out one too many times in wrestling for for it to not happen. Uh, And if it doesn't, I will genuinely be surprised. I'm kind of glad you brought that up, too, because. Earlier today, when I was thinking that we were recording today, something popped in my head. I think professional wrestling right now has been a little too safe. I understand there's backstage politics. I understand there's fights. I understand uh, there's changes up at the, the at the guard at the top of the ivory tower. I think we're. I don't know, six months, a year, two years away from an NWO from an attitude era from just that flip of the switch that changes the game because we haven't seen that in so long 
mm. that I think we're about due for another just absolute game changer. And I'm not it saying did. that they recreate NWO or anything like that, but just that story, that that feeling of holy crap, what is this? Because this is awesome. Whatever is happening right now, I've never seen. It's so unconventional. It's so different. I want more. We got relatively close when Brian and uh, Adam Cole jumped on the same night. That was yeah, like that first then, real spark. And that, honestly, I think you might be right in that we could look back on that as like, oh, that was like the Lex Luger on Nitro type of moment as opposed to like an NWO. What is he doing here? In his, his fucking Jerry Seinfeld shirt. Buffy shirt, yeah. No, but I mean, <laughs> I would love, I'd love a takeover angle, but I would hate for it to be compared to NWO. It always will be. A hundred percent, but there, I don't know what it is, but I just have this gut feeling that there is something coming and it's not like I've, it, there's no rumors of it or anything like that. And again, maybe it's just hope, but I feel like we're on the, the cusp of the game changing so big that we get that attitude era vibe again, or that NWO vibe again, that, and both companies adapt to it and run with it. And I don't know what it is. I, I, it's just something that popped in my head earlier. And I'm like, we really haven't had that game changer in a while. Somebody jumping ship. Yeah, that that happens. Two guys doing it on the same pay-per-view within 10 minutes. A little bit different. But it's what they do afterwards. Like it's that. I don't know if it, the, the right comparison would be the Nexus when they came down and just destroyed the ring and fired Daniel Bryan. <laughs> Bryan <laughs> Danielson. Um like that was that was such a moment that could have been so much bigger if they did something else with it. And instead, they just gave the kids the microphones and it just died the next day. So. In terms of other WWE stuff to talk about, because I think, you know, we've, we've made it kind of clear where we are on the punk thing. I don't yeah. really have too much else to add, you know, unless you do. Eh, no. Nah. You mentioned not seeing much of the the shows from the past week. I haven't either. Like on Raw, I saw the Rhea Ripley body slam. I saw bits and pieces of Dominic's promo where, you know, I will give them credit. How they got there with Judgment Day was fucking terrible. But they have rebounded very well over the last couple of weeks since that turn uh, to get him to where he is, uh, even if he is doing a Spider-Man 3 Peter Parker impression. You know, I think it's it's pretty yeah, it's pretty good. I'll give them credit for that. I like it. Bray Wyatt wise, dropping the ball. If, yeah, they're they're almost playing it too slow. Like like you you dragged it out up until the return, and now you're playing it slow again. And I don't know. I don't know about you, but I see some interest levels dropping in certain in certain circles a wise man once said this company does not know what to do with this wrestler and i'm waiting to see whether they fuck it up again or not pretty sure that was you sounds like something i'd say (laughs) (laughs) and i'll go back like i'm still a little sour about just the transition from white rabbit to what we got at the end of Mm. Extreme Rules. It didn't feel connected. And then that 
Bray Wyatt with the mask comes out. And then with the next SmackDown, we get a promo in the ring, which was, as far as I'm concerned, it was a great promo. If the guy had missed a couple of months due to whatever and just saying thank you and, and you know, thanking the fans. We got a little bit of connection at the end with the video package, uh, the mask character talking. Mm. And then we get him backstage saying he's not responsible for the damage he's about to just cause the damage. Just go out to the ring and just fuck shit up. Like that's that's what we want. It's professional wrestling. It's not debate. It's not promo uh, championships. I am shocked that we haven't seen Bray Wyatt in the ring. We have not seen him wrestle. We haven't seen him punch anybody. We don't know why he's back. You have to have a why. There has to be a reason. And there's zero reason for Bray Wyatt to come back other than the fans. You you kept me in it. You kept me interested. Thank you for that. I'm going to cause damage. You haven't done anything. And maybe it's Bray Wyatt going on a rampage that is the thing that I, the catalyst to whatever I've got in my gut, but it just hasn't happened. And I hated the Firefly Funhouse before they established the Fiend. And even when you think about it, if I told you at the beginning of it that it would be a demented evil clown, mask, costume, supernatural kind of thing, would you believe me at the beginning of the Firefly Funhouse promos? Probably not, although I think you would have known that some sort of spin was coming. Right. Something was coming. I thought it was going to be more like uh, Chavo when he was uh, Kerwin White. <laughs> like I thought it, I thought Bray Wyatt as that character in the Firefly Funhouse was just going to come down to the ring and then like just act very vanilla until it came time and not Festus as much as this is the second reference that I hope I ever make <laughs> on the podcast. But, you know, the bell rings, he goes crazy, bell rings again, and he's back to his dumb self. You know, that's not what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is just a guy who just wants to get in the ring and beat up the guy across from him. And we're seeing it with Mox. We're seeing it with every time Brock Lesnar gets in the ring. You know, that that's... That's the believability with professional wrestling is... You have to have a reason to be angry. And if you don't have a reason to be angry, there's no reason to give you TV time. You've established that Bray Wyatt's back. It's been three weeks now. We still don't know who he's going after. And the thing that I hate is that they're just going to feed somebody to him like a Dolph Ziggler or, you know, somebody who's that lower, lower tier, not necessarily a bad wrestler, but just somebody they don't have anything for. Just to give him that, he should be going after uh, Roman Reigns. He should 100% be going after Roman Reigns right now. He's the hottest, he was the hottest thing in wrestling, aside from MJF. MJF has got a chip. MJF is going after the title. Bray Wyatt? Fuck if I know what he's doing. And it bothers me. It bothers the hell out of me. Like he went from being spooky, cryptic. What's he going to do to coming back off of weeks of buildup that was spooky and cryptic? And now he's back and it's been two more weeks of spooky and cryptic. 
I get the idea of slow and steady storytelling. But boy, howdy, doesn't it feel the exact same as it always was? The fact that he came out at Extreme Rules, your most extreme pay-per-view where every match has got a gimmick. It's got a reason for the fight being different. And as you're going off the air, you go, oops, one more thing. Not necessarily oops, because it was planned. But to the viewers, oops, where's the lights? Oh, why, why are there people dressed up in cost? You know, like, huh. it just felt a little too forced for everything that, uh, as far as I'm concerned, halfway through or even at the beginning of that pay-per-view, the lights go out. The video is messed up through the whole pay-per-view and they're apologizing for it the entire time. And then you find out at the end, it's Bray Wyatt instead of, okay, thanks guys. Thanks for coming out. Oh yeah. Um, white rabbits, Bray Wyatt. (laughs) You're a professional wrestling company. You stage fights for a living. And Mm -hmm. you had him walk out with a lantern to not the same music as you built up the entire time. I love the next promo. I love the SmackDown in the ring promo. That's a one off. Mm. Or have somebody run in. Build that uh, next. Build the, the feud. There was nothing there, and they're dropping the ball with this, and it was... I will say, it's not even the hottest thing in professional wrestling right now. It was. William Regal and MJF knocked it out of the park in a five-minute segment? That yeah, just... Probably closer to ten, but still. Absolutely killed anything mm-hmm. that they've done with Bray Wyatt since his return. And that's been the way wrestling's played out. For the past two, three years or so is consistently you have to strike fast mm-hmm. because you have the other show on the other channel and they have the ability with the roster and talent that they have to snag that attention fucking fast. And it's happened so many times now since Dynamite's been a thing of AEW has the attention by Wednesday, but by the time next Wednesday comes around, Man, WWE really fought back with an with an interesting thing on Raw or SmackDown, and it's been the same, you know, vice versa as well. And yeah, I feel like that's kind of a similar thing. Is with with Bray, I think you know, appearance one on SmackDown, not bad. I think you left the door open, you know, by not really doing too much else in week two of him being back. And then yeah, you know, AEW has continued to pick up steam with the idea of MJF chasing for the title. I don't want to see another promo. I, I just don't want to see another Bray Wyatt promo. And it's not because he's not a good promo. It's not because he's not a good wrestler. It's because he's a hell of a wrestler. I want to see him in the ring. I want to see him causing chaos. Uh, the only example I have in my head that was almost done perfectly was, I mean, there's a hundred examples, but Seth Rollins uh, sneaking in the ring after uh, Roman Reigns won a title. I want to say it was at, Ro- at Royal Rumble but I don't think it was, but he snuck into the ring, delivered the pedigree after he had his uh, serious knee injury. I think it was. And then the next night on raw, he got his promo and everybody was super excited because nobody wanted to see Roman reigns with the title Mm. and he played it. He played it. And then he turned and then he said, you guys didn't appreciate me when I was here. I was injured. You guys forgot about me. And then he became super heel. 
became absolutely super heel. And I think that was right before his universal title reign. When they, right before they introduced the universal title. No, 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 no. Hold on. No, when he was like super, super heel, that was after he, uh, he finished off the, uh, the shield. Mm. Either way, like take your word for it. It was, it was a good pay-per-view return and it was hot the next day. And then again, there maybe there wasn't anything to snatch that attention. So Seth Rollins became the hottest thing in wrestling. They're just, they're, they're absolutely just botching this. And it's like you said, like they don't know what to do with Bray Wyatt. And apparently there's a long-term plan. I don't care. Make a two week plan and then make another two week plan based on how that's going. Don't tell me you have something for three months from now, because right now it's not working, not working at all. The only other thing WWE-wise that I wanted to mention is it was confirmed that Montreal will be hosting the 2023 Elimination Chamber. Comes a couple weeks now after we talked about them apparently readjusting the idea of like branded pay-per-views and stuff like that. But it looks like I imagine this is still scheduled for February that the Elimination Chamber will be sticking around is kind of like, well, I, I guess is what they had used it as before. The idea of the winner of the Rumbles going after this title and the winner of the Chamber goes after this title. But the same fucking guy has both titles and the Rock rumors won't go away. Right. So I don't I don't really like the concept of the Chamber being a branded pay-per-view, especially right after the Rumble you know, the first chamber being held at Survivor Series in 2002. The second was at a SummerSlam in 2003. I like that match, you know, being more of a old school Hell in a Cell type of the situation calls for it, not, oh, well, it has to be a thing. So let's find a way to make it make sense. The only reason I'm excited for it is that's where Kofi was made. And I. I hope that they use it in that sense to give somebody an opportunity. Kofi was kind of a throw in in that one, too. He was. He replaced an injured Mustafa Ali. But what he did in that match just absolutely changed his trajectory, which has since lost absolute gas. Mm. But I don't know. I, I like the Elimination Chamber. I think it's a very unique, very interesting match. As long as it's done correctly. And again, you know, as much as two minutes ago I was crapping on long-term story planning, I say as long as it's done correctly, because I use Shayna Baszler as a prime example of how it can be just absolutely terrible that she ran right through all the competition, won her title shot, and then didn't look as dominant. Like, if you're going to book somebody that way, and it wasn't because of reaction, it wasn't because people didn't believe it. She's a former UFC fighter. You had a chance to make Shayna Baszler a monster. You did in the Elimination Chamber. And then... What? Like, she had to tag team for most of her time in WWE. Like, this... this An Elimination Chamber, I think creates more of a dominant star 
or there's more dominant star potential that comes out of Elimination Chamber than any other match. It's just I don't know what if they know what to do with it. And I don't think the championships should be on the line in the match unless they're vacant. Now, WWE is kind of an offset. NXT this weekend held Halloween Havoc. I don't know if you watched any of it. I did not. I'm not really I, on NXT right now, to be honest. Now, a part of that pay-per-view apparently is that two matches were under the spin the wheel, make the deal concept. <laughs> Crash today, October yeah. 25th. This is the 30th year anniversary of Halloween Havoc 1992, whose main event saw Sting defeat Jake Roberts, spin the wheel, make the deal, the coal miners glove match. <laughs> Do you have what is your history with uh, with WCW? We haven't really talked about that at all, if there is any. So around 92, it was not available to me unless I found like a random VHS mm-hmm. at a video rental store. It wasn't available in Calgary. It wasn't on TV. It wasn't until it really started to pick up steam with Nitro Mm. or until we got TBS, which we really only got Saturday night. Um, Funny you mention that because not only is October 25th, the anniversary of Halloween Havoc 1992, it is also the anniversary of Halloween Havoc 1998's perhaps WCW's most infamous pay-per-view. And I wanted to know if you have any recollections or any memories about this event. A friendly reminder, this was the, uh, number one, uh, an interesting match between Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Continuing that storyline, unfortunately, it was based around you know Scott Hall's alcoholism. You had the battle of the sharpshooter against the scorpion deathlock, Bret Hart and Sting. Which, uh, it was okay. It wasn't as good as it should have been. Yeah, no, if I remember correctly, this one on paper is fantastic. In the ring was a dud. It was booked in WCW. That was the problem. (laughs) I like it. The ultimate dream rematch. Oh, no. Hollywood Hogan and the Warrior. Isn't this the one that ended the, um, the British Bulldogs career? Or was that a Nitro where he fell on the trap door? Uh, that was, that was a different event. But it was earlier that year or in 97. But yeah, that was the thing that happened to Bulldog. But it was it was it was based around the ultimate like it was the build. Oh, yeah, you're right. It was. Yeah, there there was a trapdoor situation. I think that might have been 98 fall brawl. The previous. That's fair. You're not wrong that Bulldog did get hurt on a trapdoor that he wasn't fucking told about. Yeah. And landed Uh, on his WCW. It actually might have been because, yeah, fall brawl the month before. Bulldog and Neidhart were in the opening match against Alex Wright and Disco Inferno. And then, yeah, at the end of the show, there was a War Games match that involved the Warrior. So I think that may have been it. Yeah. The main event of this Halloween Havoc. Not too many people got to see it. Goldberg oh. retaining the WCW world title against DDP. Yeah. Where the I'm... broadcast cut out like just as that match was getting underway or was like five minutes into it. And they had to re-air the entirety of the match the next night 
on Nitro and they had to, you know, refund a hell of a lot of money and pay-per-view buys. Two very interesting events that have anniversaries today in WCW history. <laughs> you know, I I loved the Halloween Havoc aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And I think they let let's be honest here. Uh, professional wrestling, there's there uh, just to let you know, it's it's scripted. It's not overly <gasps> real. <laughs> but I think Halloween Havoc could be something where it's the one night where we don't we don't take professional wrestling so seriously. Mm. And almost to the point of like remember a couple of years back where WWE brought out South what was it? Where like all the wrestlers got different personas? Mm. Did you ever see any of that? Vaguely familiar. Oh, um oh the the knockoff of the uh the old territories that YouTube show. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. I I honestly think every year that could be Halloween Havoc. Let them go. Let them be different characters. Let them be each other. Like have uh have Bianca Belair come out to Sasha Banks's music and wear the glasses and act like her and and vice versa. Have Brock Lesnar come out with the the gold glove and try and you know like let's not take professional wrestling so seriously on halloween because it's the one day a year you can be something else and nobody looks at you weirdly (laughs) so Mm. but my memories of halloween havoc are more around um i remember when chucky showed up on the video screen he was on this weekend's halloween havoc too (laughs) i give him credit for that that's pretty funny i mean apparently there's a chucky show on the usa network as of like to this day which i yeah liz morgan it was her dream to get killed on it and i i don't know if it's a spoiler alert or not uh she showed up on the show i didn't see it i don't know if she dies or not but it was her dream to be killed by chucky so Hmm. um and uh robocop Mm. Robocop coming down to save uh, Sting in the cage. I think that was. I'm gonna wrestling nerd out. I think that was Capital Combat or something like that. Not oh, a Halloween it was a Havoc, pay-per-view. I thought it was I Halloween so. Havoc for whatever reason. You would have thought it would have been Halloween Havoc because it would have fit. But that would have made more sense. Yeah, or have like like you know WWE and having their guest stars and having them in the ring and and like Hugh Jackman tagging in a tag team or uh, Seth Green like have like guest stars come out in wrestling garb and wrestle a match like just have halloween be a a fun pay-per-view that on monday afterwards or on the friday afterwards they go no no, that didn't happen you know like Mm. it could even show like like it didn't happen at all yeah like no recollection of it whatsoever but it's the one night a year and i bet you anything it turns into like the monday after raw where people absolutely tune in to Halloween Havoc just to see how absurd it could get. I'd be down for that. I cannot, for the life of me, remember the name of that YouTube show. But holy hell, yeah, was it one of the most acclaimed things that the Southpaw. WWE has... Huh? Southpaw. Southpaw. Yep, Southpaw Regional Wrestling. There you go. Um, yeah, one one of the most critically acclaimed acclaimed things that they've ever done fucking heat slater as pelvis wesley like <laughs> fuck man come on 
just so oh. much fun. So they're they're getting back into letting these guys go into the ring and do their own promos and stuff. Like, why not give them a little bit of liberty to go out there? And because that's what the I mean, if you've been to a house show, a non televised house show, you get to see these guys having a little bit more fun. Like they're more interactive with the crowd. Mm. They are a little bit more goofy in the ring. And I'm like, show that side. And I bet you anything you change the industry. You change it ever so slightly. And you see it with, I believe, I'll make the Chikara reference, but the Invisible Man versus, what was the other? Somebody oh, versus... Oh, that the, was, uh, what, the Janela thing? Like the Invisible Man against the Invisible Stan or some shit like that? Yeah, something like that. And like yeah. table breaking and stuff. Like how many the views? Rope <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how many views on YouTube? Or like the ref bump? Like mm. stuff that like happens in every cliche wrestling match, but it's there's let wrestling be fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We take it too gosh darn seriously. Uh, the rest of the year, give us one. Like I think a guy like Kevin Owens would kill there. I think <laughs> Sami Zayn would absolutely kill in that position. Mm-hmm. And you get to see a different side of them that you know. To an extent, like uh, Kevin Owens beating up an inflatable penguin is absolute gold to me because mm. he just goes a little bit more psychotic versus like, I don't know what you allow him to come out as, but let him just come out as somebody else that we don't get to see 364 other days of the year. And it would be amazing. It would be absolutely phenomenal. And then somebody could let it slip in a promo that he was this other character or something like that. Like, no, no. Like almost like the Ezekiel um, Elias. Like, no, no, I'm Ezekiel. I'm not Elias this time. I'm Ezekiel. Like, I, I just, there's something about it that I just absolutely, as a wrestling fan for as long as I've been, I've never really seen it done entirely. And I would love to see an entire pay-per-view where everybody you expected to see was somebody else. In terms of other anniversaries, uh, bragging rights 2009 as a WWE pay-per-view that I have no recollection of whatsoever. All I know is John Cena and Randy Orton allegedly had a 60-minute Iron Man match. Cool. Hell in a Cell 2015 occurred on this day, featuring the opening match of John Cena losing the U.S. title in seven minutes. To a returning Alberto Del Rio who was paired up with Zeb Coulter. You know, the guy who was essentially calling him a Mexican who should go back to his own country. But Alberto's back and now they're a team together. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. WWE booking at its finest. Holy shit. Yep. Um, but the main event of that show was Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker. Hell in a Cell. Where that- people, where <laughs> people that- thought Undertaker was going to retire after losing. That's... Was- but is that the one with the meme where they both sitting there and laughing at each other? I think that was at SummerSlam a few months before. Okay. So this is this is actually after the streak ended because SummerSlam was yeah. the rematch. And yeah. this is after that. Okay. Yeah, to cap off the feud. I remember this being a pretty good Hell in a Cell match given, you know, the state the Taker was in at the time. This card in general for 2015, it's astonishing how many people are still around. 
Um, yep. Let alone the 2009 card, which I could dig into if you wanted me to. But again, Hell in a Cell 2015. Um, the the pre-show match was Ziggler, Cesaro, and Neville against Rusev, Sheamus, and King Barrett. There's only one guy in there that they've actually really put any stock to, and there's six guys in that match that they actually should have. Agreed. 100% agreed. Uh, mentioned the uh, Del Rio Cena match. Roman Reigns beat Bray Wyatt at Hell in a Cell 23 minutes. No recollection of this at all. No, none. Uh, the New Day retained the WWE tag titles, beating the Dudley Boys. Just really quickly, because we talked about Kofi. Yeah. I think they, by putting the titles on the New Day for as many times and for as long as they did, mm-hmm. there's nothing else they can do with them. I don't disagree. And the injury, the injury stuff is hurting them. No pun intended, but I think they they blew them up too fast, too quick. And now it's like, well, they're champions again. Like we've seen this. Uh, Charlotte beat Nikki Bella to retain the Divas title, which wasn't much longer for the for the world. I had a few months left before it was finally rebranded at WrestleMania. Seth Rollins retains the WWE World Heavyweight title over Kane. Since Demon Kane lost, Corporate Kane was fired from his role of Director of Operations. I hate when that happens, when somebody else <laughs> loses a professional wrestling match and you end up getting fired for it. Oh, yeah. God. And Kevin Owens beat Ryback in five and a half minutes to retain the Intercontinental title. <laughs> what a pay-per-view. Ryback. Ryback. How have we One not half- been Ryback in all of this and stupidity in professional wrestling? One half of the greatest tag team of all time, Rybaxel. <laughs> Has he even been eliminated? Yeah, he actually did get eliminated. He was eventually. I, yeah. God, you know, we talk about like, oh, who are, it was one of your favorites for no reason. Curtis oh, Axel, Curtis. Michael McGillicuddy. Uh, when him and... Uh, Damian Sandow were Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage <laughs> for a while. I loved it. <laughs> or the stunt double. Mm. Oh, and, that, was, that was Damian Sandow. Yeah. And in terms of other crazy events, I should also know, I don't know if uh, we can do word association for two people that have birthdays today. Perry Saturn. Underrated. Underrated. Good answer. Good answer. Absolutely underrated. He would excel now. He unfortunately got caught into that whole click, more political game. And he was just, he wanted to beat people up. He didn't want to be um, vignettes and, and all of that stuff. And when he finally decided he had to do it, I mean, the guy got a mop over in a dress. Yes, but he was an amazing wrestler. He was an absolutely fantastic wrestler as far as like a ground and pound beat him up, but still had uh, just just enough technicality in him to be. He could have been something a lot better than what they gave him. Speaking of which, it's also uh, Perry's turn 55 to cold Scorpio. Turned 56 today. <laughs> Actually, I think 57. I don't think it's been updated. So happy birthday to both of them. Flash Funk. Oh, Flash. You are so funky. 
you know what? I find it very interesting, and I think it was the dark side of the ring. Was it the WCW in in Korea, or it might have even been the New Jack? Because I think he was in ECW. He was in the the dark side of for Collision in Korea. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like that's the guy you go to for a story like that is Too Cold Scorpio, <laughs> which. In a time where like gangster rap like uh, N.W.A. and Snoop Dogg and Dre and all those guys were coming out with their Kill Cop records, Ice T, Ice Cube, you know, all those guys like the gangster <laughs> Matty Ice. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 that's a, that's a different that's a different guy. Um, yeah. Uh, when that persona was really becoming something that was emulated and. um. I don't know. It was it was just kind of the 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 thing you wanted to be with the Raiders hat and the L.A. Kings jacket and all that stuff. Here's two cold Scorpio in a singlet spandex shiny doing flips and everything like that. When you've got like new Jack coming out and sticking forks in people's heads and flying off scaffolding and everything like that. And somehow he got it over and all the all the credit to him. But he. Like again, talk about a guy who was in the wrong era at the wrong time. He was the he was the mumble rap of like in (laughs) in the wrong period. An innovator, solid career, still wrestling to this day, and judging by his ring attire, a massive hog. The (laughs) final (laughs) why why why. Dude, I'm not. It's not my Why? fault. You can tell whether or not he's circumcised or not by his ring gear. Same thing with fucking Goldust in the mid '90s. He left nothing to the imagination. That's just a fact. We've already established that this is not a visual medium. <laughs> it is when you're talking about two cold Scorpio. It is now. <laughs> oh God, do we end the show on that, or do no. we mention something TNA else, wrestling for the first time in this podcast history? Give us something else, please. Okay. <laughs> so, it's not the anniversary of this show. It technically took place on October 23rd. Uh, but on October 23rd, TNA's first ever edition of Bound for Glory happened there at WrestleMania, which is always weird. It should have been Slammiversary. Super interesting card. I ordered it on pay-per-view, watched it numerous times. Uh, you had Samoa Joe and Jushin Thunder Liger in the main events. Um, unfortunately, one of like one of the more weaker Ultimate X matches before they did that match all the time. Uh, this is the card that, do you remember the Jeff Hardy swanton off the TNA stage through tables to Abyss? Slightly. If you ever saw that clip. Slightly. Yeah, that was from this show, which was okay. still one of Jeff Hardy's craziest fucking bumps. Oh, my God. Uh, AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels had a 30 minute Iron Man match. And Rhino. Rhino won a 10 man gauntlet match. Because Kevin Nash was supposed to be in the main event, by the way, thoughts and well yes. wishes to Kevin Nash. Holy fuck. Um, yeah. You know, Kevin Nash was supposed to be in the main event against Jeff Jarrett for the NWA world title with special referee Tito Ortiz. Boy, they love going to that Tito Ortiz well. <laughs> for whatever reason, Nash didn't make it. I don't know if he was hurt, if it was storyline, whatnot. 
So they had a 10-man gauntlet. Rhino wins it. Immediately wrestles Jeff Jarrett. Beats him for the title in five and a half minutes. Two days later, Jeff Jarrett wins that fucking title back. (laughs) And 11-year-old me was furious. Not because I was such a huge Rhino fan, but that was the first time that I ever really remember just being like, oh yeah, Jeff Jarrett, pun intended, has a lot of stroke in this company, doesn't he? Just always holding on to that title. Just, damn it. I saw that it was the anniversary of that title change of him losing the belt two days later, and I got angry all over again. I I honestly miss the era of not knowing what happens behind the scenes. Mm. That something like that is just absolutely ruined. And again, I'm I'm trying to remember as a kid because Hogan dominated the heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Honky Tonk Man dominated the IC title, and, and like it was, it was never like somebody had it for a week or two or three months and then dropped it. Like, it's not like they ever really made the wrong choice for the time. So, yeah, these, like, I even think of, like, Kane winning the first um, Inferno match or first, no, was it first? No. He beat Austin in a first blood match. He lost the first Inferno match a few months before that to Undertaker. But then lost the title on the Raw the following day. Yes. Yeah. He beat Austin at King of the Ring 98. You know, one of the other matches that took place aside from Hell in a Cell. Um, And then, yeah, the next night on Raw, he lost it back (laughs) and didn't hold another world title, I think, until 2009. It was a while. It absolutely was a while. As the biggest Kane fan, I was, oh, even four-year-old me was upset that Kane lost that belt the next day. If there's a... If there's a term in professional wrestling, I wish I never heard and never understood the reason why or didn't understand the reason why is traditional or sorry, is a transitional champion. Mm. Like, I, I just want to believe that the guy who won it actually won it, not the guy who won it wasn't the guy who the other guy didn't want to drop it to. Or in certain instances, right, if I don't have the timeline mixed up, you know, uh, Bob Backlund, like you don't want a face to be the face type of thing, yeah. you know, which that's understandable. But I agree about like, oh, yeah, you don't want to have this guy. I, I get what you're saying. You know, there are examples of tradition of uh, transitional champions like Iron Sheik beating Bob Backlund and then a month later losing the title to Hogan, you know, not wanting Hogan to beat Backlund to begin, you know, from one era to another. I understand that in a sense. Well, even even as recently as uh, Matt Riddle's U.S. title reign, he wasn't supposed to win it in a triple threat match. Uh, I know Sheamus was in it. I can't remember who the other guy was. He ended up winning it and holding on to it for about a month or two and then had just this random match with Sheamus. And Sheamus ended up winning it maybe even at a wrestle at one of the most recent WrestleManias. But yeah, like I don't I don't get we hold we as fans hold titles in such prestige that for the other side to just go, you know what, you're just going to hold on to this for two weeks and we'll establish the other guy and the other guy is going to win it from you seems to be just so counterproductive to what we put into um, 
put into professional wrestling as as fans. I, I just I don't understand transitional champions. So we went a little bit all over the place for the last 20 minutes to half an hour of the show. But I got to be honest, I had fun just kind of bouncing around of, you know, events and shows of of memory, you know, of, of days gone by uh, with it having been a relatively short news week in the wrestling world. Um, can, can we just repeat? Because I think we kind of skimmed over something that we should give a little bit more time to Kevin Nash, obviously mm. uh, experiencing a loss that uh, to, I know you understand it, but you can't understand um, yeah. losing a child. Um, mm-hmm. One of the biggest fears as a, as a father is to have to bury uh, your uh, children, uh, yeah. son, daughter, and he unfortunately uh, had to uh, say goodbye to his son. I think he was 27? 26. 26. Yeah. I mean, the, the absolute investment you put into something as a father into a child is immeasurable. And to be able to do that for 26 years and to have to experience that. And I believe... And correct me if I'm wrong, it was on Scott Hall's birthday. The day before. Yeah. So to have to deal with that uh, when you're thinking about your best friend who had just passed. Um, as a wrestling fan, I've never had the opportunity to meet Kevin Nash. But as a father, um, and I'm, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn for how you feel, Toogie, but as a father, um, there's no greater sorrow. Uh, that you can experience um, to hear that a, a fellow father has uh, has had to experience that. So my thoughts and uh, I hate to say thoughts and prayers, but mm. my thoughts are definitely with the uh, the Nash family at this time. If you haven't, I uh, highly recommend going and listening listening to the latest episode of his podcast um, with Sean Oliver. Click this. Um, it's about an hour or so long, and he talks about everything, and he shows this unbelievable amount of strength to not just lose it during that recording session. I don't know how he did it. I don't. I haven't I haven't listened to it, but to to know Kevin Nash is the guy who always chased the money, which is again, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn especially with this conversation, but He's he's been pretty open with his career was all about where the next paycheck was and how big mm-hmm. it was and, and all of that stuff. Like there was there was a very selfish, self-centered kind of vibe to him to know that he. I I don't think that that's him as a human being, but I also am very I view it. Go I, ahead. I was going to say, I view it as like, yes, you're right. Selfish, self-centered, but in a positive way. Because you knew all of it was like, hey, I'm providing for my family here. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And and the industry, if you really think about it. So, anyways, yeah, our, our thoughts are, are with Kevin Nash and his family um, through this tragedy. Crash, this was, uh, this was a fun one. This was a fun one. Like I said, I, I like the, the punk conversation and everywhere else that happened to go. I like reflecting on events past, and hopefully we'll get to do that again as well. As uh, you know, the weeks go on, depending on what happens. We've had some crazy weeks. We've had some not so crazy weeks in terms of discussion points. Uh, but I hope you all enjoyed this show as uh, we'll give Crash a moment to think about how he wants to end this show. 
Yeah, I was thinking whether a, a Bobby Heenan quote uh, would make sense here. I'm just trying to see if there's a, one that might actually fit a little bit better. But, uh, uh, you well, know Crash what? Crash figures that out. Go ahead. Go ahead. Friendly reminder, you can follow me everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> Twitch, YouTube, at Tugi24, T-O-U-G-I-E, 24. Uh, for everything except NHL 23 content, because woof. You can follow Crash pretty much everywhere at Crash Andrews, with the exception of Twitter, Crash underscore Andrews, that home location there, as we will do our, you know, my weekly end to the show is going to at Crash Andrews on Twitter and seeing if he has followed anybody new or anything after all these years. (laughs) I love the shtick. And the answer is no, nor has he tweeted, but still three followers, including crash underscore andrews so well done still following lebron james and daniel tosh yeah crash how we uh how we end in the show buddy you get the last word you know what i was gonna go with a different quote which i'll probably use for next week and this one is kind of fitting but it's also speaks to you know how comedic of an asshole i can be sometimes you win some you lose some unless you're virgil then you lose them all (laughs) 